podcast, cutting edge conversations with the quant community. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Risk Quantcast. Mauro Cesar here speaking. I have the pleasure today to have here with me in the studio Alexei Kondratiev of Standard Chartered, who is a managing director of a newly created team at Standard Chartered, of which we will uh, talk in a second. Hi, Alexei. How are you? Good to have you here. Uh, thank you, Mauro. Hello, everyone. So this new team, Data Analytics Group, uh, Standard Chartered, um, I have to say uh, from our previous conversation that it sounds uh, like he has a, a very a very exciting mission. So basically, if I understood that correctly, uh, you guys have to uh, run experiments and apply uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and quantum computing to your uh, to your bank's uh, front office activities, uh, which uh, you know it sounds like um, all the buzzwords in quant finance put together in one place, which is you know, sounds pretty amazing. Uh, what what sort of applications are you looking at at the moment? Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right. And uh, I agree. It sounds like a dream job, and it is a dream job. Uh, that's probably the most interesting uh, function in financial markets, from my perspective at least. That's uh, how I would see uh, quant finance evolve over the next uh, three, five, maybe 10 years. We are moving away from being focused too much on pricing complex payoffs, on building complex risk engines. That's obviously something that we we are going to continue to do. But now uh, we see that there is a lot of value in data and um, uh, we are trying to uh, to develop uh, various uh, methods, uh, analytics, how to extract uh, value from data, how to extract useful information from data and therefore help uh, other businesses within financial markets uh, to deliver on their objectives. So the results of one of these projects you guys are working on is um, uh, in one in your new paper uh, that is published in Risk June and uh, that is obviously appearing in uh, uh, online on Risk.net as well, uh, called Curved D- Dynamics with Artificial Neural Networks. Um, as the, the title says, it's quite, uh, it's quite clear that you are proposing an artificial neural network uh, approach to the analysis and the prediction of term structure movements. Uh, I understand um, the most common non-parametric method uh, for term structure analysis is a PCA, a principal component analysis. Uh, basically, in your paper, you're saying that um, artificial neural networks can replace PCA because it offers some advantages. What what are the advantages? Yes, Uh, the PCA's principal component analysis is an excellent tool. It is widely used and rightly so. Uh, It's it's very simple in a way. Uh, It's a linear, effectively, uh, we perform uh, a linear uh, decomposition. We have uh, a linear combination of principal components that uh, can describe how our curves evolve over time. And uh, uh, the PCA is known for a very long time and loved by practitioners. Uh, there is a problem, however. Uh, the PCA uh, relies on several very strong assumptions. Uh, first, uh, it, uh, it, it, it relies on the fact that all information is encoded in the covariance matrix. And covariance matrix obviously can't hold all the information uh, available to us uh, from historical time series. 
And uh, uh, the PCA also relies on assumption that everything is normal. And we know that uh, in financial markets, in uh, financial time series, uh, probably nothing is normal. Uh, assumption of normal distribution is a very strong assumption, which is not valid in many cases. Uh, it means that uh, PCA is very useful. Uh, it, it is a good first approximation. It's a good linear approximation of reality, but it's still just an approximation. At the same time, uh, artificial neural network, ANN, uh, can uh, hold far more information than uh, the PCA. Uh, there is uh, an ability to extract more information from historical data. Uh, typically, ANN would have hundreds, if not thousands, of weights of uh, nonlinear regression parameters. And we have ability to encode information in these weights, in these coefficients. Uh, that's why uh, ANN is so powerful, uh, and ANN can preserve uh, a dependency on initial term structure. So when uh, we try to model uh, curve dynamics using ANN, uh, we can actually make it specific uh, and dependent on initial term structure, unlike the PCA. Okay, uh, this is the advantage. But, uh, for example, if someone has to criticize ANN or machine learning techniques more in general, might say that those techniques are susceptible of to errors in case of regime changes. Is that the case, you think, with this methodology? Uh, yes, uh, and uh, this is one advantage of uh, P uh, PCA, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, we can uh, look at ANN uh, as an alternative to PCA, uh, and also we can uh, look at PCA as a limit case of ANN. Uh, the way for us to deal with regime change um, is to ensure that um, our, not, our network is not overfitted. And uh, the way we control overfitting is through regularization. We can impose a penalty uh, uh, during a uh, network training process. Uh, we can penalize uh, very large weights. We can actually force many weights, many uh, coefficients in this uh, nonlinear regression uh, to be very close to zero, sometimes exactly zero and therefore simplify our model. And in the limit of very strong regularization, ANN can actually deliver the same results as a PCA. So if uh, there is a danger that uh, we are going to face uh, very different inputs in the future uh, on which our network was not trained, inputs that were not uh, in, uh, in the training data set, or not even similar to uh, to our uh, training data set, then we would probably impose very strong regularization on our network. Uh, also, uh, we know that in the simplest form, uh, a neural network uh, is just uh, effectively uh, a nonlinear regression. So if we deal with simple uh, feed-forward uh, neural network trained with uh, backpropagation of error, effectively we are doing nonlinear regression. And it's very dangerous to extrapolate with nonlinear model. Nonlinear models are not really suitable for extrapolation. That's why a new regime sometimes can produce very unexpected results. Unlike linear models like PCA, who actually extrapolate really well to new and seen data. You mentioned regularization. Does it mean um, giving more weight to more recent data points in uh, your time series? Uh, regularization is effectively uh, a simplification 
of model. And uh, when we talk about simplification, it means that uh, a nonlinear model that uh, has a lot of um, connections and uh, coefficients uh, can obviously perform uh, poorly on unseen data set, something that was not part of our training data set. Uh, complexity of the model is reflected in these coefficients. When coefficients are relatively small, they contribute a little to the overall performance, to the overall outcome uh, from the model. And uh, if you have a few coefficients that are very large, several orders of magnitude larger than the others, it means that uh, any variable that goes into this particular node and is multiplied with this coefficient is going to contribute a lot uh, to the final values that we get from our network. And uh, this is a danger. Uh, and regularization is effectively a mechanism how to suppress these large weights, how to make sure that uh, there is no pockets in this uh, very complex nonlinear model that would produce very strange results when we present network with new unseen data. Um, so th that's, that's, how it, uh, uh, that's how I would describe regularization. I see. Um, ANN uh, has been around for quite a long time, about 30 years or so, I believe. Um, but in the past few years, uh, two or three years, um, papers and research on, uh, on artificial neural networks have been mushrooming. Um, why do you think this is the case? Why is the approach is this approach living a second life now? You think? Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, first uh, model that can be uh, um, uh, presented as a, 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 a variation of neural network, maybe consisting of just single neuron, as a perceptron, uh, was invented in the 50s, and uh, uh, results uh, were published in the 60s. So it's actually indeed a very old model. And uh, neural networks were uh, very, uh, very, uh, very popular uh, 30 years ago in the 80s. Unfortunately, back then we didn't have powerful hardware. We didn't have cheap and powerful computers on which we can train complex networks. And now, uh, with uh, hardware uh, very cheap, and especially with invention of GPUs, uh, we can afford to build very complex deep neural networks and train them on uh, unimaginably large uh, data sets in a reasonable amount of time. So I would say that uh, due to invention of GPUs and widespread usage of GPUs, now we have uh, a very powerful results that, uh, that, we, that are known, generally known as uh, deep learning. The side effect is, however, that uh, because uh, we can get such great results with deep neural networks and uh, GPUs. Um, uh, we somewhat neglected other types of neural networks. So a deep neural network that runs on, uh, on a GPU is a network uh, which is uh, effectively very simple. It, it can have a lot of layers, 30, 40, 50 hidden layers. It can have a lot of activation units in every single layer. Uh, but it is still a, f a simple feed-forward network where every uh, neuron in a hidden layer is connected to neurons in the next hidden layer, but not to neurons in the same layer. Uh, and uh, this is type of network that can be trained on GPUs. 
there are other types of network with a very different architecture is possible in principle, but uh, GPUs are not very helpful in training them. So I think there is still a lot of research to be done on uh, different network architectures. I see, I see. Um, moving on on the applications of these techniques, obviously in your paper you applied this to term structures and in particular you took the forward curve of um, um, oil prices and that of uh, interest rate swaps rates. Um, what other applications do you see there um, that are relevant to your job? Obviously neural networks can be applied to uh, uh, numerous uh, type of problems outside finance, but uh, what is relevant to your job there? Uh, neural networks uh, in the form of uh, regressors or classifiers can be applied to really many problems in finance. Uh, we can think about uh, uh, credit risk management. For example, we can classify uh, clients, we can uh, classify our counterparties uh, by uh, putting them into different uh, credit grade buckets. Uh, neural networks can be used uh, to generate trading signals. So they can be used and they are used in systematic trading on the buy side. Uh, we can also think about other applications of neural networks. Uh, for example, uh, fraud detection, which is uh, something uh, widely used in uh, retail banking. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, a lot of problems can be formulated as either a regression or classification problems. And the moment problem is, is formulated as a regression or classification, you know that you can, uh, you can approach this problem with neural network. Interesting. Uh, now, switching on uh, to the next um, buzzword, quantum computing. So now, in March uh, this year, Ristonet reported that um, Standard Charter teamed up with uh, NASA uh, and a team specifically at NASA that, uh, that works on quantum computing um, research. Uh, so I understand that project is aimed at uh, uh, finding solution in uh, portfolio optimization, uh, which the idea is obviously you, uh, when you've got a large number of assets, you, uh, you are uh, using enormous data sets and uh, you know, quantum computer could offer a solution there. Uh, what's, the, what's the status of that project? What, what are your expectations? Uh, we are very happy with this project and we are very happy with our collaboration with NASA and USRA, the University Space Research Association. Uh, we started with uh, trying to solve an optimization problem, uh, which was not related to quantum computing in any way. And then uh, we discovered that a, a typical portfolio optimization problem in, in its most general uh, formulation can only be solved using some kind of uh, uh, heuristic, uh, for example, genetic algorithm or particle swarm optimization or some other evolutionary heuristic. And then we decided that maybe uh, we can try something else, another approach. And another possible approach turned out to be quantum annealing. Uh, fortunately, uh, NASA and USRA uh, offer their quantum annealer, D-Wave 2000Q, uh, to research institutions and uh, 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 companies. And uh, we submitted our research proposal on portfolio optimization. It was selected uh, by uh, NASA USRA. Uh, and we started this project early this year. And uh, as, as you mentioned, 
um, we've got some interesting results. We presented these results at uh, Quant Summit Europe in March and also at uh, Quant Minds conference in May this year, recently. Uh, we're going to publish final results, hopefully next month. And uh, uh, results, uh, as I mentioned, are very promising. Uh, we, we managed to detect uh, quantum speedup, uh, and we haven't expected to see such a material quantum speedup uh, for this type of problem. Uh, we also managed to uh, quantify uh, scaling, how uh, time to solution scales on D-Wave quantum annular against uh, how uh, this problem scales on a standard classical desktop, which is also a very interesting result for us and uh, would inform us uh, in our next uh, stage of uh, quantum computing research. Okay, C could we do a, a step back and explain uh, in layman terms, if possible, what a, a quantum annealer is, which is the, you know, the, the, yes. the main concept here? Well, <coughs> uh, we know that uh, as the standard uh, uh, classical computers uh, we are using are uh, digital computers. And there is a version of uh, dig uh, digital computing in uh, quantum computing space. Uh, there are uh, quantum computers based on uh, quantum logic gates similar to classical silicon computers based on uh, uh, classical logic gates. However, uh, these computers are not powerful enough yet to solve interesting real-world problems. Uh, we still need to wait for uh, IBM, uh, Google, Rigetti, and many other mm -hmm. uh, companies to build powerful general-purpose digital quantum computers. I'm sure they will achieve this task, and hopefully very soon. But at the moment, uh, we have to work with quantum analog computer, which is a quantum annealer. And uh, quantum uh, annealers are effectively specialized uh, quantum computing devices. Uh, they're very powerful in solving optimization problems, but that's the only type of problems they can solve effectively. They can also be used in many other ways, and they can be made uh, general-purpose computers, but that's probably not the most efficient way to use them. So uh, I, I would imagine that uh, quantum annealers will continue to be used to solve mainly optimization problems. And there are many optimization problems in finance. As we know. Um, so what type of problem can quantum computing tackle? Uh, I know, as you just mentioned, not all of them are uh, suitable for this type of technology. What are the type of questions uh, that quantum computer can answer, apart from optimization? Uh, general purpose quantum computers can solve uh, problems that are extremely computationally hard on classical uh, computers. Uh, uh, there are several known algorithms already developed for quantum computers. Unfortunately, we don't have gen general purpose quantum computers to run these algorithms, but at the moment mm. we'll have them, uh, we would definitely see huge outperformance. Uh, uh, very often, uh, people think about quantum computing in terms of uh, quantum speed up and we know that uh, for some problems, it is definitely the case. Uh, one experiment that was executed a few years ago on a D-Wave quantum annealer, not even general purpose quantum computer, uh, detected uh, quantum speed up of order 
10 and the power 800 million times. However, it was a specially constructed problem, not really useful. Uh, in our portfolio optimization case, uh, we detected quantum speed up of uh, order uh, 100, so mm -hmm. 10 and the power 2, for small portfolio size uh, in comparison to standard classical desktop, uh, which is not the same as uh, comparison against classical supercomputer, but we should understand that the problem is small. And we have to uh, be very careful what we are comparing here. Uh, uh, but we know that in, in the future, uh, really hard problems can only be solved uh, using quantum computers. Uh, everything uh, um, uh, where we need to simulate nature, especially quantum nature, like molecules, uh, which are very important in chemistry, in pharmaceutical industry, in, uh, uh, in, in energy, we only can, we can only hope to solve these problems uh, through quantum computing. So in the future, I, I believe quantum compu computers will be used for solving all hard problems that currently are not solvable on classical computers. Uh, but uh, classical computers, uh, classical computing is not going to disappear. Uh, we, uh, in my view, we are still going to have uh, classical silicon computers as a front end, as a user interface, uh, as humans will be exposed to classical computers, classical computing devices, and uh, uh, quantum computers are probably going to be big computing centers, farms, somewhere that we would probably uh, uh, access through internet. Also because I presume quantum computers will not be uh, as cheap, even if they become more popular and go into a sort of mass production. I suppose there's gonna be, they're going to be more expensive than their normal laptop. Um, going to your expectation to, uh, for the future, so you said you expect uh, quantum computer to be able to solve uh, problems also outside finance. Um, at the moment, for some of the application of a general purpose quantum computer, um, the speed is somewhat comparable to that of a normal computer, a standard computer. Uh, when do you expect that speed to take off and uh, leave standard computer behind by order of magnitudes, let's say thousands, if not more? Uh, we already see um, a huge quantum speed up for specially constructed problems. And uh, I expect that as uh, I expect to see quantum computing delivering quantum speed up uh, on uh, general problems uh, once quantum technology is a little bit more developed. Uh, however, we should remember that it's not just quantum speed up, or maybe it's just a, a wrong term. Uh, what, uh, what we uh, hear from many uh, producers of quantum computers, as they like to speak about uh, quantum supremacy, that's when a quantum computer can perform tasks that is in principle impossible on a classical supercomputer in uh, finite time. Uh, I think there are problems that are in principle not solvable on classical computers. For example, very complex, uh, very complex combinatorial problems. And portfolio optimization, as an example, uh, is uh, actually a complex combinatorial problem that is almost impossible to solve exactly for a portfolio of reasonable size. 
if you do it properly. Uh, but with uh, quantum computing, we have a fighting chance to solve it uh, in uh, finite time, hopefully very fast. And uh, we just need to wait uh, a little bit for uh, quantum computing technology uh, uh, to get to the next stage. Uh, I am mildly optimistic. Uh, there are different uh, views on how far we are from uh, widespread usage of quantum computing. Um, some people believe that uh, it would take decades. Some people uh, speak about single years. I think that uh, we are probably s we would see widespread usage of quantum computing uh, somewhere in the, sort of in the middle range, probably in the next three to five years. Uh, we are definitely going to see far more powerful quantum manila from D-Wave next year. And uh, there are very interesting uh, <coughs> uh, uh, research uh, ideas and uh, uh, research results coming from uh, 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 producers of general purpose quantum computers, such as uh, Microsoft, uh, IBM, uh, Rigetti, uh, Google. So let's let's wait and see. Okay, three five years. Okay, that's we'll uh, that, we'll that's we'll my see. hope. Excellent. Um, one of the concerns that are connected to this, uh, associated with quantum computing, is uh, uh, security. So data security, security in general of um, website, and uh, that goes with uh, uh, credit card details to any personal information, because uh, supposedly a quantum computer can. Uh, breach into a system much more easily. Is that the case? Do you think that uh, concern is uh, justified? Uh, I think this concern is um, slightly overhyped. Uh -huh. uh, there are definitely classical encryption algorithms that are exposed to uh, quantum attack, uh, such as a very popular uh, encryption algorithm based on um, uh, prime numbers factorization. However, there are many other classical encryption algorithms that are immune, uh, are in, invulnerable to uh, quantum computing attacks. And also quantum computing itself can be used to, uh, uh, quantum technology can be used to, uh, 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 to provide uh, encryption via uh, quantum technology. So uh, uh, quantum encryption uh, would obviously uh, evolve uh, together with uh, 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 capabilities, quantum capabilities. Uh, Would that mean the companies will have to uh, ad adopt the new technology to defend themselves and those who are out are more in danger? Um, uh, this is something that we should treat very seriously. So uh, cybersecurity is definitely a big concern to us, to, to all of us. Uh, uh, but I would not, I would not say that quantum computing is going to be the major, um, so is, is the single largest threat to our cybersecurity. It can be viewed as something that can actually enable uh, our cybersecurity. And uh, we, uh, there is um, uh, existing uh, uh, quantum technology that allows us to send data securely. Uh, it's already it's sort of tested uh, technology. Uh, it can be used now. Um, 
uh, let's see how it develops. Uh, 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 we definitely know that there are very good classical algorithms that can protect us against quantum attack. However, there are many other threats, many other uh, cyber threats that we have to address, uh, and we definitely should take uh, cybersecurity very seriously. I see. I wanted to conclude uh, going back to machine learning, in particular one point uh, I would like you to, to help clarify. So machine learning and artificial intelligence are very often used uh, interchangeably. Uh, now, this is not accurate. So could you shed a light on uh, what is what uh, between the two and uh, which discipline belongs to the other? Uh, I would say that machine learning is mainly statistical learning, at least from my perspective. I see machine learning as a collection of tools that uh, allows us to work with data, um, analyze data, extract useful information from data. And um, artificial intelligence is something very different. I would, I would look at machine learning as a tool that enables artificial intelligence. AI is a science, if you wish, and machine learning is a tool that allows us to develop artificial intelligence. I see, I see, very interesting. Well, thank you. This uh, was my last question for you, Alexei. So thank you very much for being here with us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Mauro.